I can see Jesus hanging on the cross. I can see Jesus hanging on the cross. I can see Jesus hanging on the cross. He came looking for the lost and love has come. Love has come. Love has come. And it's given me hope to carry on. I can hear Jesus saying, Father, forgive. I can hear Jesus saying, Father, forgive. I can hear Jesus saying, Father, forgive. What a thing he did. Love has come. Love has come. Love has come, and it's given me hope to carry on. I can see love, love is all I want to see. Love can make a beggar rich, can set a prisoner free. I know he can do it for you, God knows he did it for me. Well, I can see love. Love is all I want to show you, love. Love is all a man might need to know. Love is all a man might need to know. Yes, I know. You know, Peter, put away his sword. I can see Peter putting away his sword. Well, I can see Peter. Put away your sword, he won't fight no more. Love has come, love has come, love has come, and he's given me hope to carry on. I gotta carry on. Good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us online, as well as those that are here this morning. So this is the final week of our online-only online only service. Uh, next week, we are going to open the doors back up. We can't wait for everyone to come back and to welcome everybody in person. Uh, today, we're continuing our series on Hope Through Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. The lyrics of the song we just did was Hope to Carry On, um, and it's pretty much talking about Love has come and it's given us hope. And it's it's an anthem to feel that um to feel that Jesus came looking for us, for you and me, uh to love, to forgive, and to set us all free uh through the cross. And we're gonna see that today in uh, Matthew eleven through thirteen. And our coffee talk is gonna be with Paul Klein. Yes. Fun times. Okay. And <laughs> And before we start worship, uh, giving is a part of worship, whether you're in person or online. Uh, we have begun the process of preparing our budget for the uh, 2021 year. And as we did last year, we will have it on the wall for everybody to see within the first two weeks of November. So be praying over what God has called you to do as we continue to reach our community. And as always, the methods of giving you can give um, via text, you can send a check to the well, or you can give online through the website. The first song I want to do, um, make sure we look up the lyrics while we sing is Build My Life.
Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Sing Jesus the name Jesus the name above every other name Jesus the only one who could ever save Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you We live for you Holy there is no one like you Holy there is no one like you there is none beside you open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me let's sing worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you We live for you Sing Jesus the name Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Holy, there is no one. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. And I will 
trust in you alone and i will not be shaken holy there is no one like you there is none beside you open up my eyes in wonder show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me sing holy holy there is no one like you there is none beside you open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart Sing, I will build my life one more time. Will this be our prayer this morning? That we build our life upon Jesus and not anything else. And I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. And I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken the next song we're going to sing is the lion and the lamb it's talking about our God is the lion and the lion of Judah he conquers our battles for us. That we don't have to fight. He does the fighting for us. So he's coming on the clouds. He's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break. And every chain will break. As broken hearts declare his praise. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. For the sins of the world, His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before Him. Sing, so open up the gates. So open up the gates. Make way before the King of Kings, the God who comes to save. The God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. 
He's roaring with power and fighting our battles, and every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before Him. This next part is, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Here we go. Who can stop the Lord? And who can stop the Lord Almighty? 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 Can stop the Lord. Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles, and every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. For the sins of the world, His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains. And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before Him. That's close. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Hey, everybody. Am I in the right spot? I have no idea. Am I good? Right. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm knocking stuff. Look, man, I'm like a baby Huey up in here, man. I'm just busting everything over. Like, <laughs> ah, good times. Okay. Uh, Nelson, that is, um, that uh, Hope to Carry On is one of my faves, by the way. Um, I, I have always felt that if we could do like a... Um, a guitar workout to lose weight, that song is the top of the list. When you play that thing full out, it's just like, you know. Anyway, sorry. Okay, so, I know, me too. Wait, me too. And I'm going to wobble until everything. Okay, there we go. So, uh, this week I had an opportunity to uh, meet for lunch with a friend of mine. Uh, and he's actually been kind of visiting off and on for a while. But I got a chance to meet with him for lunch. Uh, we've done this a couple, two or three times. Uh, and, and it's really just to kind of talk through the book of Matthew a little bit, like we're doing in worship. Um, and he... 
He sat down with me this week and he goes, man, Corey, you may have, um, you may have actually picked the worst book in the Bible to try to find hope out of. Um, I was like, man, that's, that's harsh. <laughs> but it's true. Like, I understand where he's coming from. He was like, look, man, he said, Jesus, when Jesus talks and teaches, he is so sharp uh, with his words, and he can really absolutely go after some of these jokers like, you know, like the Pharisees, right? He's just like going after them. He said it's hard to find hope in, when Jesus is like going right at him like that. Um, you know, like go, let the dead bury their own dead. Like that's harsh. Like that feels, when you first read that, like that cuts. And as a, good, as a good minister, I'm like, no, no, it's easy. It's easy to find hope. Like we can find hope in anything. Come on, man, this is good. You know, and, and he was like, no, 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 like, it was good. But like, it's, it, it's hard at times. And I was like, no, this is fine. And then I got into the chapters this week. Last week was like the stuff that I was really looking forward to. Like, those, man, the miracle chapters, those are good chapters. There's a ton of hope in those chapters. Then I got into this week, and I was like, Corey, you may have picked the hardest book to find hope in when it comes down to these particular sets of chapters. Like, this was tough. This week was hard. And it was, there was a lot of stuff that was being thrown at you. Uh, there were a lot of things that Jesus was saying that seemed more about judgment than anything help or than anything else. And how in the world can you find hope in the midst of judgment? Like, that's what's so hard. That's what's so difficult. Uh, the good news is, praise be to God, it's in there. Um, and honestly, God, man, I read it a couple, two or three times, and I spent a lot of time in prayer over this one. Because uh, it was like, all right, God, you got to reveal some extra stuff on this. Like, this is hard. Uh, and God did. And God did a great job of going, okay, here's where the hope lies. Look at this story of how the overarching story goes. And so I, I felt like this, these chapters, as hard as it was to get uh, you know, hope out of it, were actually very incredibly well-timed. Uh, and so I'm really excited about these chapters. So we're going to really jump right in. Uh, we're going to talk about Matthew 11 through 13. The next couple of weeks, we're going to four chapters. So like next week is 14, 15, 16, 17. Uh, and then the week after that, it's like 18, 19, 20, 21, right? So the next couple of weeks, we're going to do four chapters uh, so that we actually work the time frame out right. Uh, and it works incredibly well with the story. Uh, when you get to see kind of the transitions of stories. So it'll work. But this week uh, is 11, 12, and 13. If you didn't get a chance to read it, go ahead and just kind of be skimming through it now as we go walking through it. I'm going to read chapter 11 to you. Um, but I will admit that it's really difficult to be able to see hope when we're in survival mode. And I think this is something that, that conversationally has come up several times through my discipleship class this week, uh, this particular week, over the last couple of weeks, really in particular this past Thursday. Uh, my uh, discipleship small group talked about this. Uh, Heather and I have been talking about this uh, and a couple of other conversations. Uh, and that lunch was one and some others. We talked about you just kind of go into survival mode. When you have so many things that are being attacked, when we're being hit from all sorts of different angles, the idea is it's really difficult when you are like, I just got to survive. And when you survive, you miss a big picture, right? You miss this concept of this really large picture. And what we do is we move from one piece to another. We move from one, uh, literally from one task to another, just so we can feel like we're surviving and getting our things done. So let's, let's get out of survival mode for just a moment. Let's get away, and, and, and I think we all can say this would be a good thing. Let's get away from 2020 for just a moment. <laughs> let's back up just for a brief moment. And let's look at Matthew 11 and 12 and 13 from a great perspective here. So let's, um, let's run. I'm going to read chapter 11 first. And uh, this is going to be, you know, of course, I thought I had this in the right spot. Give me just a second. Uh, hello, technology. Please don't cut me out. Uh, all right. So 11, here we go. 
All right, so this is chapter 11, contemporary English version. Remember, you can read along in whatever version. This is just a different uh, version that I've been picking up the Bible with lately. Starting in verse 1, it says, After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he left, and he began uh, teaching and preaching in the towns. Remember, he had pulled his disciples together and sent them all out. And basically said, this is, what I, this is what it looks like when you get sent out. Here's some instructions on how to do that. Now go do your thing. And Jesus went off, and he was doing a little bit on his own as well. Uh, and somewhere in the midst of this beginning piece is when they actually, it seems like they've all kind of come back together and had these conversations and caught up and debriefed over their time out. And so, uh, or their, t- their time out. It was like their parents. I'm so sorry. Their time away, uh, not time out. <laughs> anyway, I could see Jesus over there. You have a time. Okay, sorry. All right. So, uh, verse 2. John was in prison. This is John the baptizer. So, John was in prison, and when he heard uh, what Christ was doing. So, John sent some of his followers to ask Jesus, are you the one we should be looking for, or uh, must we wait for someone else? And Jesus answered, go and tell John what you have heard and seen. The blind are now able to see. The lame can walk. People with leprosy are being healed. The deaf can hear. The dead are raised to life, and the poor are hearing the good news. All of these things are coming out of Isaiah, by the way. Uh, specifically, they're being raised from the dead. Actually came out of a text that we, we, for a long time in academia, like they looked at it and said, where does that piece even come from? And when they found uh, the text at Qumran uh, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, the dead will be raised was actually part of the Isaiah text. Uh, and it was actually a little bit of an older version. So it, it was a part of the versions that they knew at that point. Uh, he said, God will bless everyone who doesn't reject me because of what I do. And as John's followers were going away, Jesus spoke to the crowds about John. What sort of person did you go out to the desert to see? Was he like tall grass blown by the wind? What kind of man did you go out to see? Was he someone dressed in fine clothes? People who dress like that live in the king's palace. What did you really go out to see? Was he a prophet? He certainly was. I tell you that he was more than a prophet. In the scriptures, God says about him, I am sending my messenger ahead to get things ready for you. And I tell you, no one uh, ever born on this earth is greater than John the Baptist. But whoever is least in the kingdom of the heaven is greater than John. And from, that, uh, from the time of John the Baptist until now, violent people have been trying to take over the kingdom of heaven by force. All of the books, the prophets, and the law of Moses, uh, meaning the Torah, all right, uh, told what was going to happen up to the end of John. Uh, and that's Torah and the rest of the Hebrew Scriptures, by the way. And if you believe them, John is Elijah. And the prophet you are waiting for, if you have ears, pay attention. You people are like children sitting in the market and shouting at each other. We played the flute, but you would not dance. We sang a funeral song, but you would not mourn. And John the Baptist did not go around eating and drinking. And you said the man has a demon in him. But the Son of Man goes around eating and drinking. You say... That man eats and drinks too much. He's even a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Oh, no. Yet wisdom is shown to be right by what it does. And in the towns where Jesus had worked out of his miracles, the people refused to turn to God. Literally, you just heard him talk about that. Uh, he said, so Jesus was upset with them. And he said, you people of Chorazin are in for trouble. You people of Bethsaida are in for trouble, too. If the miracles that took place here uh, had happened in Tyre and Sidon, he said the people there would have gone to, would have turned to God long ago. 
They would have been dressed in sackcloth and put ashes on their heads. And if you don't recognize what that phrase, that phrase is literally, it's a sign, it's a, it's a physical uh, symbolism of mourning. If you think back to when Jonah was there, when Jonah preached in Nineveh, same thing happened. They all literally well, dressed themselves in sackcloth, sat in ashes, all that kind of stuff. So it's a part of this mourning and repentance is what this is. He said, I tell you on the day of judgment, the people of Tyre and Sidon would get off easier than you will. People of Capernaum, do you think you'll be honored in heaven? Did you, you will go down to hell. If the miracles that took place in your town and happened in Sodom, those are fighting words, uh, it would still be standing. Ouch. Uh, so I tell you on the day of judgment, the people of Sodom will get off easier than you. Now, let me read this last little bit. And this is the part where I, I swear to you, I only see Jesus doing this. I don't know why, and y'all may not ever see it this way. But I swear to you, it's like Jesus is so angry, at that point, he just starts praying. <laughs> and he starts praying out loud for everybody to hear. It's almost an angry prayer, because it says, at that moment, Jesus said, my Father, Lord of heaven and earth, I'm grateful to you. I'm grateful that you hid, from, uh, hid all this from the wise and educated people and showed it to ordinary people. Like, I can totally see Jesus pausing for a moment and going, you people are all out there. Sodom is better than all of y'all. Lord, <laughs> Lord, thank you for what you have done. Like, it's this like angry, like showy almost prayer coming out of Jesus. Uh, and he said, yes, Father, this, this is what pleases you. My Father has given me everything. And he's the only one who knows the Son. The only one who truly knows the Father is the Son. But the Son wants to tell others about the Father so they can know him too. If you are tired from carrying heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you rest. Take the yoke I give you, put it on your shoulders and learn from me. I am gentle and humble. You will find rest. This yoke is easy to bear and this burden is light. Y'all, <laughs> there are a couple of pieces in here that I want us to pick up on from chapter 11. And I think chapter 11 is really critical when it comes down to hope. Um, and if these chapters don't reach us exactly where we are right now, I don't know what else will. Uh, so a couple of pieces of hope here. Here we go. There is hope in doubting. You just heard that John the Baptist was in, uh, was in jail. He had finally hit this bad spot. Um, he had done everything he was called to do. Jesus even tells you that he's the voice of Elijah, who's out there telling people to repent of their sins. He was baptizing people to help people repent of their sins. He illuminated the coming of the Messiah. He literally said, behold, here is the Messiah. He illuminated those things. And in the midst of all that, he baptized Jesus. That man did everything he was supposed to do. And then he took it to the step he was also supposed to do, but this is what got him in trouble. He called out the leadership. So then he goes to Herod, basically, and says, what Herod is doing as the ruler of this area by marrying Herodias is wrong. And Herod went, I'm sorry, come again? I'm sorry, what'd you say? And pretty well put him in jail from that point. Said, you want to speak against me? You want to see what kind of power I've got? Here we go. And he's thrown in jail. And not just thrown in jail. Y'all, he was put on death row. That man was going to end up being there and rotting and was going to be there for a while, and he literally until, and they were trying to figure out what to do with him until Herod's wife literally figured out a way to get his head chopped off. He was put on death row. And so before all that took place, as he, before the death row side took place, John is sitting in jail, and he's like, look, I've done everything I'm supposed to have done. Now, if this is not, like, if we don't feel this way, I don't, I don't know who you are. But he's like, look, we have done everything we're supposed to have done. He's like, I have done everything I'm supposed to have done. I followed through with my calling. 
I have proclaimed the Messiah. I have helped people repent of their sins. And here I am in jail. And he's having a moment of doubt. There is hope in the doubt. Even when we struggle and have the largest like, season of, God, I don't even know if you're real and exist. You see, God is still there. And in the hope of those moments is that Jesus is like, I'm with you. So John took the disciples. Remember that jail has a little bit of a different feel there. In jail for us, we isolate, right? We isolate those buildings. We put barbed wire fences up and around everything. We separate them off the road. We put signs on the road that say, don't pick up hitchhikers here. Uh, you know, like all those things to make sure that the prisons that we have are basically isolated out. They're not there. No, John's disciples were still around. They had full, total access to him. They could still be speaking with him, even though he was in jail. And so he looked at his disciples, and after he had been hearing what Jesus had been doing, he was like, okay, um, go ask him if he's the Messiah. Can you just go double-check for me? In the midst of all of the struggles and doubts, he's like, I just want to know answers. And the key is, even in his doubt, even in there, uh, even in jail, he's still seeking. He's still searching. Is this the truth? Is this uh, the Messiah? Are you who you say you are? You see, what Jesus had said, you know, uh, what um, everybody believed that he was supposed to be as the Messiah was this militaristic deal. And what he had been seeing was something completely different. Doubts upon doubts upon doubts. And Jesus still took the time to answer him. He didn't let him sit there in the doubts, y'all. He actually stepped up and said, no, let me answer for you. And the words that he responded with, right? Uh, let me see if I, can get, if I can be good enough to get back on here. Nope, yep, do it, do it. Okay, you know, when he responds back to him, he says, hang on just a second, I'm so sorry. Go and tell John what you've heard and seen. The blind will be able to see, the lame will walk, the uh, people with leprosy are being healed, the deaf can hear, the dead are being raised, the poor are hearing the good news. You hear all six of those things, right? Those are all six things that he had been doing in the previous five chapters. Jesus is looking at him and going, hey, that stuff that said in Isaiah, not only is it happening, it's happening right now, right all around you. You're good. You have done, good job, good and faithful servant. You have done everything that was asked of you. And in those moments where we have the strongest doubts, Jesus is like, I am here. So y'all, there's hope in the doubt. Even in the midst of places where like, man, I'm doing everything right. I swear to you, Lord, I am sitting down and I'm doing my spiritual disciplines. I am praying. I'm reading scripture. Um, I'm praising you through. I feel like casting crowns. I'm praising you in the storms, right? Like I'm doing all of these things. God, I don't understand. Why does it feel like you're not here? This feels like nothing is going right. It feels like no matter what is going on, I feel like what's the point? Because God, I'm doing all these things. And even in the midst of all those doubts, y'all, Jesus is right there. I think we know that we don't have a faith-based, like, we, I'm sorry, let me try that again. We don't have a works-based faith. Like, I recognize that we know that. Like, we have uh, a total understanding, I think, but sometimes we just wonder where God is. And that's okay. I think, as a church, we don't give people enough permission to doubt. As long as you're still seeking, doubting is not bad. It's not bad. God is bigger than your doubts. Jesus is bigger than your doubts. The Holy Spirit is bigger than your doubts and will be right there with you in the midst of them. And tied into that, fast forward to the end of that chapter. Uh, that last 
those last few verses I have I've always understood in a particular direction. And here it is. Even in the midst of doubt, because here's what doubt does to you. When you have hope that there's, you know, there's hope and doubt, that doubt can lead to exhaustion. And there's a hope even in the exhaustion. So we have hope and doubt, and there's even hope through exhaustion too. When you get to those last several verses, and let me see if I can get my technology to work right. I've just got to go about and buy a new Bible. That's what it is. <laughs> he says, if you're tired from carrying heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you rest. Every time I've ever read that, I've always seen that scripture as something that's, for, um, that's more for like a physically worn out, a mentally worn out. I don't know if you've ever been in those places before, but where you have literally been going, you, you've been pushing so hard mentally that you're physically exhausted. That you're like, I can't go on anymore. It's not like you've been lifting 600 pounds uh, and you're like moving, a, you know, a five-bedroom home every single day into somebody else's, you know, place, whatever. It's not like you're doing all the physical labor. But sometimes, man, the, the mental exhaustion uh, and the physical exhaustion can be hard. The emotional exhaustion can be hard. And it can play into the physical, too. And so I've always looked at that scripture and said, man, um, those places where, where we are, we can't go any further, Jesus is like, yes, come to me. I will give you rest. I'll give you physical rest, emotional rest, mental rest, all of that. And he talks about the yoke. My yoke is, is, is lighter than yours. So it's a very physical piece. A yoke was put, on, uh, uh, was put on one ox or more. You can put it on two, but generally it's put on one oxen that pulled a plow. So he's literally, he's not only just, uh, the, the oxen is not just, uh, having a weight on his shoulders, and he's, he's literally pulling weight behind him so that the farmer could plant things. So, like, I've always looked at this as a physical, uh, a mental, and emotional way of Jesus looking at Justin going, no, no, look, you can come to me, and I will give you rest. My burden is lighter. But when I was digging into it, because I want to dig into it a little bit deeper this week, I learned something new. Let's go back and look at the context of that for just a moment. This is right after... Um, for lack of a better term, this is right after angry prayer, right? This is the tail end of Jesus getting so frustrated because he was doing sign after sign after sign. Nobody's believing. He's condemning Chorazin. He's, de- he's condemning Capernaum. And he looks at it finally, he says, Lord, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for how you have approached this. Those people who feel like that they are know everything, you have already pretty much cut them out and you're looking at those who are needing and struggling and you are bringing them in. What he says is, if you're tired from carrying these heavy burdens, he's talking to the Pharisees. When he says that, the, the language here is very, very specific that it is to a spiritual weight. Um, and you see this in chapter 11, it's complain, uh, and really even more so in chapter 12, as he really goes after the Pharisees. And he's looking at the people going, if you are tired of the rules and regulations of the carrying of the heavy weight of your faith, if your faith is too heavy that you can't even keep up with it and it's overwhelmed, have y'all ever felt like that before? Where you're just like, man, I am so exhausted spiritually that I feel like I'm ready to just walk away. And Jesus is like, don't do that. Come to me. All that stuff that you're carrying, that spiritual burden that you're carrying, I got you. Let me take a lot of those rules and regulations off of you. You still need to be holy. You still need to not sin. But let me take a lot of the pressure off of you. You feel like you have to do everything exactly right or everything is going to be wrong. That's what the Pharisees were doing. 
Hey, that's a great sacrifice, but that's not the exact one you need to be doing. You need to be doing this one, this one, and this one. Hey, that's a great stuff that you're doing over there, but that's not right. You're working on the Sabbath. Literally, in the chapter, and I think it is the next chapter, beginning of the next chapter, the Pharisees are literally, he talks about my burden will be light, and then he goes right into this next story, Matthew does, that talks about uh, that literally Jesus is walking through a field, uh, which would have been in Chorazim, more than likely. He's looking through the field, and he's grabbing wheat, and the disciples are eating wheat on Sunday. And they're like, Pharisees are like, whoa, they're doing work. It's not a mistake. <laughs> right afterwards, the Pharisees are throwing down all sorts of rules and regulations on top of them right after he says, hey, you getting tired of this spiritual stuff? Come to me. Because it's all about a heart change. It's not about the rules and regulations. My burden is lighter than yours. Let's swap yokes. So there's hope in, um, there is hope from the exhaustion, right? There's hope in the doubt. This last piece, though, and I'm going to read certain sections out of 12 and 13. Is there's hope in justice. Now, right now, the word justice has an absolute uh, recoil connotation for a lot of people. They hear the word justice and they're like, whoa, we're talking about all the riots? Are we talking about all this stuff? Are we talking about civil rights? Are we talking about Black Lives Matter? Are we talking about, you know, I, I walk the thin blue line? Like, what are we talking about when you say justice? Well, listen to this. If you pay attention, if you back out, and this is where I was talking about we can get lost in the trees sometimes, back away and go to 40,000 feet when you go to read chapters 12 and 13, and you're going to see a trend. You're going to see a particular trend. It is really, really easy for us in our world to look around and feel like all of those who do wrong and all those who are what we would consider evil, you're are getting away with everything. Like, how do people do that? Like, how is it that when people walk through this particular path, they can sit there and just completely do all things wrong, everything that's being asked of them, they're ignoring it, or the other side is doing everything they're asked of and nothing works out right. Like, what is going on? And Jesus says, that won't always be. If you overlook, uh, if you look over chapters 12 and 13, there's a very particular uh, thread that shows hope for justice, that all things will get straightened out in the end. So I'm going to read a couple of sections for you. Chapter 12, we're going to read verses 25, uh, basically roughly through the end of the chapter. And you're going to hear what I'm saying. It's, it's, going, to be, it's going to start to become very clear. Just back it out to 40,000 feet. All right, here we go. Give me just a second. 25. Uh, Jesus knew what they were thinking. Let's back it up to 22. I'm so sorry. Uh, some people brought to Jesus a man who was blind and could not talk because he had a demon in him. And Jesus healed the man and then he was able to talk and see. And the crowds were so amazed. Could Jesus be the son of David? Enter Pharisees, who literally just watched somebody be healed and then looked at them and went, oh, that's not right. We can't have this. The Pharisees are like, we're in control. He says, then the Pharisees heard this. They said, he forces out demons by the power of Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. Oh. And you know full well, like, so like, wait a minute. So the Pharisees are like, dude, this dude just got healed. And the Pharisees are like, who cares? Let me put rules and regulations on top of you. You are literally Satan. So therefore, by Satan, you can control your demons and get them out of people. And Jesus continues. He, gets, he knew what they were thinking. Because remember, he is the Lord of all things. And he knew what they were thinking. And so he said to them, any kingdom where people fight each other will end up ruined. And a town or family that fights will soon destroy itself. 
So if Satan fights against himself, how can his kingdom last? And if I use the power of Beelzebul to force out demons, whose power do your own followers use to force them out? Your followers are the ones who will judge you. But when I force out demons by the power of God's spirit, it proves that God's kingdom has already come to you. How can anyone break into a strong man's house? And I love this is a great Jesusism. He like he flips the switch and goes into a Jesusism. How can anyone break into a strong man's house and steal his things unless he first ties up the strong man? He said he can. Uh, then he could take everything. And if you're not on my side, you are against me. Now you hear that? Jesus says, "Now you want to start talking about the hope for justice? Here it comes. If you're not on my side, then you're against me. If you don't gather in the harvest with me, you scatter it." And, if you, and, if, and I tell you, any sinful thing you do or say can be forgiven. But if you speak against the Son of Man, you can be forgiven. But if you speak against the Holy Spirit, you can never be forgiven, either in this life or the life to come. And now look, we separate these teachings out, y'all. So listen to this as it keeps going. A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. Guess who he's talking to? Remember his audience. He said, you can tell what a tree is like by the fruit it produces. You, you, he's not holding back anymore. You are a bunch of evil snakes. So how can you say anything good? Your words show what is in your hearts. Good people bring good things out of their hearts and evil people bring evil things out of their hearts. I promise you on the day of judgment, everyone will have to account for every careless word they have spoken. On that day, they will be told, uh, they are either innocent or guilty because of the things they have said. Some Pharisees and teacher of the law of Moses uh, said, Teacher, we want you to show us a sign from heaven. They are not letting up. They're not letting up. And Jesus replied, You want a sign because you are evil and won't believe. Jesus does not hold back. But the only sign you will get is the sign of the prophet Jonah. He was in the stomach of the big fish for three days and nights, just as the Son of Man will be deep in the earth for three days and nights. And on the, night, uh, and on the day of judgment, the people of Nineveh will stand there with you and condemn you. They turned to God when Jonah preached, and yet there is something far greater than Jonah. The queen of the south will also stand here with you and condemn you. She traveled a long way to hear Solomon's wisdom, and yet there is something much greater than Solomon. And this is the last piece we're reading 12. We're going to go to 13. It said, Even, uh, and when an evil spirit leaves a person, it travels through the desert, looking for a place to rest. But when the demon is, uh, doesn't find a place, it says, well, I'll go back to the home I left. And when it gets there and finds the place empty, clean, and neat, it goes off and finds seven other evil spirits, even worse than itself. And they all come and make their home there, and the person ends up in worse shape than before. That is how it will be with you, evil people of today. And then he goes on to chapter 13. Let me make sure I get my, my scripture right on this too, because I want to make sure you hear this too. So we're going to start in verse 24. We're going to roll through 50, and then I want, you to, I want you to hear what this means, what it says justice, when I say hope of justice. All right, let me get this right. Here we go. Uh, let's back it up to verse 19. It says, the seeds that fell on the, sowed, uh, fell on the road. So he's starting to talk about what we know as kind of the parable of the four soils. It's, it's, uh, the CEV calls this the farmer, uh, the story about the farmer. So the seeds fell on the road are the people who hear the message about the kingdom, but don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches the message from their hearts. The seeds that fell on rocky ground are the people who gladly hear the message and accept it at once. 
but they don't have deep roots, and they don't last very long. As soon as life gets hard or the message gets them in trouble, they give up. The seeds that fell among the thorn bushes are also people who hear the message, but they start worrying about the needs of this life and are fooled uh, by the desire to get rich. So the, uh, so the people uh, let me back that up. So the message gets choked out and they never produce anything. The seeds that fell on good ground are people who hear and understand the message. They produce as much as 100 or 60 or 30 times what was planted. And then Jesus tells them the story. The kingdom of heaven is like what happened when a farmer scattered a good seed in the field. But while everyone was sleeping, an enemy came and scattered weeds among, uh, I'm sorry, try that again, and scattered weed seeds in the field and then left. And when the plants came up and began to mature, the farmer's servants could see the weeds and the servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you scatter good seed in your field? Where did these things come from? And the enemy said, uh, he said, and then, I'm sorry, then he replied, an enemy did this. His servants then asked, did you, uh, do you want us to go and pull up the weeds? No, he answered. You might also pull up the wheat. Do you hear the protection that he has? That protection there for those who he really truly cares about, loves, who, have, who are there that literally have heard the gospel and have followed. He said, leave the weeds alone until harvest time, and then I'll tell my workers to go gather the weeds and tie them up and burn them. But I'll order them to store the wheat in my barn. And then I want you to skip down. Uh, let's see, so in the weeds. Okay, I'm going to give you this right here. Let's see. Uh, after Jesus, this is verse 36. After Jesus left the crowds and went inside, the disciples came to him and said, explain to us the story of the weeds in the wheat field. And Jesus answered, the one who scattered the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the people who belong to the kingdom. The weeds are the ones who belong uh, to the evil one. And the one who scattered them is the devil. You can hear the explanation laying out. The harvest is the end of time. The angels are the ones who bring in the harvest. Now listen to the justice. Here's the hope and the justice. Weeds are gathered and burned. That's how it will be in the end time. The Son of Man will send out his angels. They will gather, uh, let me try that again. And they will gather from his kingdom everyone who does wrong or causes others to sin. And he will throw them into the flaming furnace where people will cry and grit their teeth in pain. But everyone who has done right will shine like the sun in the Father's kingdom. Um, if you have ears, pay attention. Go down to verse 47. The kingdom of heaven is like what happens when a net is thrown into a lake and catches all kinds of fish. When the net is full, it is dragged to the shore and the fishermen sit down to separate the fish. They keep the good ones, but throw the bad ones away. That's how it will be at the end of time. Angels will come and separate the evil people from the ones who have done right. Then those evil people will be thrown into a flaming furnace where they will cry and grit their teeth in pain. Do y'all hear it? Listen to this. There is a, an entire thread in 12 and 13 that show that there is a hope for justice. Literally, Pharisees, you're not with me, you're against me. Pharisees, you're evil snakes. The good hearts can be seen. The bad hearts are, be, are, are seen by the good. The bad hearts by the evil. Pharisees won't believe, uh, won't believe, and they're going to be condemned by Nineveh of all places, which is complete, total Gentile. Uh, Pharisees will be literally condemned by the Queen of the South in Nineveh. Uh, in the parable, you hear the tying up the weeds and burning them. And as he is literally translating it, he says they're going to all be thrown into the furnace, which is literal, it's judgment. It's an allegory for judgment. And then he says the good fish are kept, the bad ones are thrown away into the, into the flaming furnace. Uh, and I may, and, and, and listen, here's the thing I want you to hear. I recognize when we sit here and we're like, I've done all these things. I've done everything that I'm supposed to be doing. God, I don't understand why is it that things are always against me. I can't make progress. I can't get anywhere. Lord, I am struggling. 
This is where the doubt comes in. This is where the exhaustion comes in. And then this is where the justice comes in, where Jesus is like, no, it's okay. It's okay. In the end, your father sees you. And if there's not a theme that hasn't popped up in your head so far, for the first 13 chapters, it's very clear that Jesus knows you are invisible or feel invisible and sees you. You're not invisible to our God. You are seen. And even when you have a good heart and you do good things and nobody cares and you get joked on and you get ragged on because things are going, you know, whatever and you're trying to do good and they don't see it and you get cracked on for all of it. Listen, in the end, Jesus is like, no. God knows who's got good hearts and who's got bad hearts. And in the end, the justice will take place. It doesn't look like justice is taking place in the here and now, but it will. So there's hope in the doubts. There's hope in the exhaustion. And here's even hope in justice that God will straighten all things out in the end. Good will be rewarded. Evil will be paid in full. Yes? So I want you to hear a different perspective, though. So this is Paul Klein. So Paul, why don't you come on up, man, um, and come talk to us about these chapters. It's, um, it's always good, in my opinion. I love being able to hear from different perspectives. This is why we've been doing coffee talks for so long to be able to see what other folks get out of the hope, right? Out of the things, that is a fancy little phone gadget you got there. Uh, to be able to see all things that people are wrestling with and people that are interpreting. We did this for several years on Thursday nights, right? We have, we have had so much fun uh, through our 60-year journey of Isaiah and other things. Thank you, Dan Bull. Um, so, <laughs> he will never live that down. God Isaiah was definitely an adventure. It was a toughie. But the Isaiah, though, on this particular set of chapters, really enlightened what Jesus is doing and saying, right? A lot of it comes from, from there. Straight out of Isaiah. So where did you find, uh, so, okay, so I did the whole doubt thing. You know, it's hope and doubt, hope and, exi- uh, and exhaustion, uh, and even hope and justice. Where did you find hope uh, in these chapters? So I guess the, to, to start it off with, I'm, I'm going to quote a, a, a very important person in my life, which is my dad. Yeah, yeah. He's got a he's got a saying that he said I'm glad God's in control because if it was up to me I could find a way to screw it up. Yeah. <laughs> Which for me that was probably the the biggest um, the biggest area of hope that I pulled out of of, of these is you know they they kept trying to trip Jesus up and they yeah. kept throwing stuff at him and and every time they would what he would throw back at them was stuff they should have already known. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was stuff that was straight out of their laws, their. Right. Which is where that prayer comes from. It sounds so harsh to hear Jesus go. I'm so glad you cut the message away from some of these people. (laughs) But really what he's saying is for those who were learned and who were really, and I'm sorry, I should get the proper learned for those who are learned uh, and blessed uh, who have read through the scriptures, who know these things top to bottom, they should have seen it. And he's like, but God, thank you. Thank you that we don't have to worry with all those folks who feel like they've outsmarted everything and that they feel like they know it simply by educational. You're showing this to the ordinary people whose hearts are needing to hear this. Those of us that are undereducated. That's been like me sometimes. I'm not right there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to... You know, Corey has preached on this many, 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 many times. 
it's God doesn't want the educated. He doesn't want the you know the the super smart and the and the uh, necessarily he doesn't necessarily yeah. <laughs> I was like, want <laughs> heresy arising. Yeah, he, he doesn't the necessarily open want open to all right, but but he uses the normal folks. Yes. The, the fishermen, the you know, the tax collector for the love, right? You know, it's not the uh, um, it it's not the the Albert Einsteins. It's not the the people uh, who get all the press all the time. Right, right. We all looked at them. We're going, man, they're they're incredible people. They're worthy of all things, and this is this is nuts. What they can get away with and do, and and how smart they are. When it's all the, the rest of us folks. who are right, it's all the rest of us who are sitting back going. So where do I fit into all that? God goes, you're with me. Right. Because my yoke is easy. Yeah, that's good. You know, when you were reading through that, it, the, the thing that kept coming back to my mind as a musician, which we normally only hear it at Christmas time, was is Handel's Messiah. And all of that yeah. comes straight out of, well, all of, all of Handel's Messiah comes straight out of that. That's right. <laughs> About yeah. said it backwards. Heresy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that, I think that's exactly right. That's good. Where, uh, what, is it, what about these chapters surprised you about Jesus' ministry? Like, what caught you off guard to go, man, I wouldn't have, you know, I've, I've seen it, I've read it, I hadn't thought about this. You know, I really, with these chapters, I really wasn't caught off guard. <laughs> I have to admit. The one that caught me off guard was a few chapters before. Yeah, talk about that. When, when you were talking about the Beatitudes. And, oh, yeah. and you can see Jesus sitting down with his disciples and he's got his disciples right here. And as he was talking to them, a crowd shows up and you can almost see when you were, when you were preaching about it, I was picturing it in my mind, just clear as a bell. You know, he's talking to his disciples, but then all of a sudden he goes, and you, yeah, I see you yep. meek, mild, yes, hu- you know, humble. Right. Pure of heart. Right. Right. That, I've heard thousands of sermons on that section of Scripture, but I never really got it until you said that. That surprised me. And that's what you're hearing. That's why I was saying that a little bit ago too, right? That's what you're yeah. hearing all through. This is a carryover of all of yeah. that. Yeah. And it's, I see you. I know you're not getting credit for having a great heart and doing good things and living right. I know you're doing all these things. And it's hard for you to see that I'm with you, but we see what you're doing. The Lord sees and understands. What is uh, what's the Spirit saying? You've heard that. So, so these things have wrestled with your heart. What is the Spirit saying to you about uh, how to adjust uh, your faith based upon your answers? I guess, uh, like I said a minute ago, the biggest thing for me was, you know, he uses the, the normal folks. He uses yeah. not the extraordinary. He uses just us normal, That's it. everyday people it's not you know it's not like you got to have some extraordinary ability or or you know he, he uses you where you are and meets right. you where you are i guess is probably the biggest that's good man yeah yeah and and god has met you where you are right so for you over and over over and over <laughs> right so i love that you are you know it, it's crazy when you think about musicians musicians you think about the ones like uh, and forgive me for naming secular bands but you think about the Aerosmiths, the Metallicas, and you think about these big boy bands. These, you know, uh, and I'm, I know there's other ones. You know, you, there are other ones that are out there anyway. But I'm like, when you see these people in music, and they're like, oh my gosh, they're making millions upon millions. And as a worship leader, 
You don't. <laughs> right, True. Nelson? You don't. <laughs> you just don't. But what you are doing is value. You're leading an entire congregation of people, not just that would be in person, but online too. You're leading people into the presence of Christ. Well, and it's... And that's so beautiful. Yeah, you just never, you never know. You never know, you know, who you might reach through a, you know, a song hits you just right. We've all had those moments where, you know, you're driving along in your car and a song comes on, secular or otherwise. And, I mean, it's happened to me multiple times. I have a song come on and I'm like, man, that sounds really good. Then I start listening to the words and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to pull the car over. <laughs> and he has sent us in the worship thread that we followed that he has sent us so many of those times. He's like, y'all got to listen to this song. <laughs> so good. Yeah, but you yeah. never know when, you know, where, you never know who you might influence or Amen. or have a, you know, have a part in their their role as well. Absolutely. Paul, appreciate it, man. Love you a lot. Um your perspective is always, always, always great, man, and I appreciate that. Um, I want you to hear, listen, that, that is, how about that? That is our conclusion. Like, that's it for, for when you were talking about a conclusion for sermon. Listen, it's the ordinary folks. He literally is angry praying, almost, it seems like. Jesus is probably going to correct me about that, man. I'm going to get to heaven. Jesus is going to be like, you know I wasn't angry. <laughs> you know, but, like, he's using, he's praying so that the ordinary folks can hear it. Um. And he literally showed it to the ordinary people. Um, and Jesus sees us all. Sees us all. God love you, man. That's good stuff. I know it's hard to find hope sometimes in survival mode, but y'all, it's okay to pull out of survival mode. It's time. Uh, Jesus is right here. And all you have, literally, you have Jesus who's really ready to redeem all of our situations, to bring salvation into your life. All we have to do is just say yes. It's just accept that call in your life. So don't let that go. Don't miss that bigger picture that all of this is about your salvation and about my salvation, about all of our salvation. Jesus is calling on you. Will you answer? Um, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. I don't think anything more needs to be said, but the gospel message, right? Over the next couple of weeks, uh, and our guys are going to finish here in just a second, over the next couple of weeks, we've got some things going on. So we reopen in person next week, November 1st, uh, as part of the celebration of really reopening, we're going to be celebrating a lot of things that actually happened during the pandemic that most of you probably don't even realize. Um, so during, uh, during that, when you walk into church uh, next week, food truck's going to be here helping to serve breakfast. Uh, and so it is going to be free for all, and it really is going to be, if you want to help donate, great. Uh, they are up and ready to take, uh, you know, literally they can actually like take debit cards and things now. So if you want to help donate towards that, it's great. But as part of the celebration of coming back in person and what's happened during the pandemic, food truck will be sitting outside. That's next Sunday morning. Uh, remember, A to J, 9 a.m. If you can go K to Z for 1030 and visitors come wherever you want. Nobody cares. You just come on. Uh, and then uh, in, a, in addition to that, in a couple of weeks, we've got our charge conference. So on November 10th, we've got about yeah, 13, 14 days, something along those lines. Uh, we've got our charge conference coming up. It's our annual business meeting to set the leadership for the next year, to be able to set uh, our stuff up for the conference and make sure that we are ready to go for another year. Uh, it is these unfortunate necessaries of the business time. It's supposed to be worshipful too. It's hard to make business into worship, but it's possible. And we'll be doing that on November 10th at 6.30 right here. 
and then uh, we are also asking, we've had some families to uh, ask for us. Actually, I had one family specifically. Uh, Olivia Strong, God bless you, girl, for asking about this, uh, and Pam Strong, too. Uh, we, uh, they have been asking, hey, can we bring in, as part of November 1st, in the first few weeks of November, can we bring in boxes of individually wrapped snacks? Uh, Wesley Meadows, who is the retirement center, the United Methodist Retirement Center, just up the road over here in Hernando, um, it's about 10 minutes from here, have been needing extra snacks. And so if y'all could be, when you come in November 1st, go buy you a box of, uh, you know, peanut butter crackers or whatever else that are individually wrapped snacks uh, that you can bring in. We're going to donate all those to Wesley Meadows. Uh, and so make sure I'm good. All right, we're good on all this. Okay, so here is the benediction. Uh, and what you're going to hear is the, uh, is, the, is the music behind it. It's going to be hope to carry on. Literally a hope to carry on is where, where you have Rich Mullins who wrote this song. Um, beautiful song. Matthew uh, 12. Name of Jesus, the nations will put their hope. So uh, sing along out loud. Listen to the lyrics of, uh, of hope to carry on because he literally wrote this uh, because he was at a point where he was like, man, I, I need hope right now and I see hope in the gospel. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. I can see Jesus hanging on the cross. I can see Jesus hanging on the cross. I can see Jesus hanging on the cross. He came looking for the lost and love has come. Love has come. Love has come and has given me hope to carry on. I can hear Jesus say, Your Father, forgive. I can hear Jesus say, Your Father, forgive. For I can hear Jesus say, Your Father, forgive. What a thing He did. Love has come. Love has come. Love can make a beggar rich, can set a prisoner free. I know we can do it for you. God knows He did it for me. Well, I can see love. Love is all I wanna show you. Love. Love's the only way to go. Love. Love is all a man might need to know. Yes, I know. I can see Peter put away his sword. Well, I can see Peter put away his sword. He won't fight no more. Love has come. Love has come. Love has come. And it's giving me hope today. I gotta carry on. 